You're hearing some music from the Jamie Kime album, Alleys. Okay, what's happening here today is pure treasure has been unearthed. This is the bonus material I promised from the Jamie Kime episode. It's a whole separate episode in itself. Jamie's going to teach you so much guitar today. Now, of course, if you want, you could listen to the other one first, but you don't have to. The other one was two years ago, episode 94. We open, we're jamming on some Dr. John because... Jamie, man, you know he played with Dr. John. He won a Grammy with Dweezil Zappa. I mean, that was a great night. He tells you all about that back in episode 94. He played with Jewel and other singers. But today, this is like the second half. It stands on its own. A bonus episode all in itself where he's going to teach you some killer guitar stuff. Like, for instance, you're taking a deep extended solo in D minor. What if you want to throw some Coltrane colors at that? improvisation what if you want to like hit some giant steps harmonies but still have it sound so tasty man jamie's gonna spell it out for you how to do that or maybe you want to learn harp harmonics like lenny bro and ted green two fantastic guitar players that are gone too soon from the la scene well this is going to be like being transported to ted green's apartment where so many great guitar players down here would study Jamie was a true devotee, and I never got to meet Ted, but I feel like I have now, and you will too, after you hear all about Ted Green. So much good stuff. Now, when the thing opens today, we're talking about Jamie's cool-ass Strat guitar, a Strat thing that George Tripps built for him. George, of course, if you don't know, he's also, I mean, his his bread and butter is he's the, the Willy Wonka behind great pedals such as the way huge line and a lot of dunlop stuff george is a genius so nice that he would build this great guitar sounds great for jamie and the interesting thing is that you might remember this from last episode is that jamie was inspired by hiram bullock and hiram man he was never as famous as your stevie ray vaughn's or your other guitar heroes But for those who saw him, he never forgot it. He was so funky. So I love talking to other Hiram Bullock fans. In fact, when I was just 17, me and my good friend Adam, who helped inspire and sometimes helps produce this podcast, Adam Johnson, we went to the Jaco Pistorius Benefit Concert in Oakland, California. It was like a year or so after Jaco died, maybe six months, I don't know. It was raising money for his family. The array of musicians there that night was just sick. Wayne Shorter, Herbie, Chapito Ireas, uh, Bob Weir, uh, Carlos Santana, I think. And my favorite moment was when Marcus Miller came out because I was really looking forward to seeing him because I loved his funk grooves on like Miles Davis records, David Sanborn, um, Kevin Eubanks records. And he did not disappoint. And when Marcus came out, he had on his right Hiram Bullock, this guitar player from New York that I later found out, you know, played with various people, David Sanborn, etc., and was in the house band on a lot of David Letterman shows with Paul Schaefer back in the early days, back when they were on NBC. And the two of them were so funky and just so spontaneous. They were just riffing off each other. I think it was like one 10-minute song that was so grooving. They tore down the house. And the thing about the Omni was it was a great nightclub. That's where this was being held. 
on Shattuck Avenue in Oakland. And it was owned by John Nady, who is famous for pioneering the Nady wireless system. Back when not everybody had wireless systems, Nady put that thing on the map and made it affordable. And the fun part was when you played the Omni, I later found out, of course, you could play wireless. He had a million of them over there. So Marcus Miller and Hiram Bullock, at some point, they head off the stage and go through the crowd and just groove their way to the back stairs behind the sound desk and go up to the balcony. Actually, I think the board was at the top of the stairs in the balcony. And then make their way down the one wall where the balcony is going along the crowd above so they're halfway between the back of the room and stage right, and they're just standing at the banister, looking over at the railing, jamming. The whole crowd is flipping. It was a moment I'll never forget. So funky. Well, guess what? Six months later, I'm playing at the Omni with my band on a Wednesday night. Middle slot, three totally different bands in terms of the genre and crowd. Three separate crowds, but it was a really good night. My high school band, Electric Spaghetti, It was really fun, and sure enough, man, I'm wireless for the first time ever. It was kind of fun. I'm 17 or 18, and and at one point, man, I'm like, I got to do a Hiram Bullock. I got to do a Marcus Miller. I run off the stage, down the staircase to the side, and then I'm running through the crowd, and I think some people didn't even know where I came from. There's no light on me. I remember passing this server, and she had a tray of drinks, and she kind of looked at me warily like... Are we going to collide? But I I zigged around her because I was just going way too fast. I had way too much adrenaline. I zip up those stairs in the back, run down the side of the balcony, head to that same exact spot where Marcus and Hiram had been, where they'd so effortlessly been holding court from above, just rocking the house, tearing the roof off the place. And I'm up there rocking some kind of solo. And up there, of course, is a crowd that they're waiting for the headlining band. They're just kind of like, oh, okay. They're not really into what I'm doing. And down below, I don't even think everyone knew where I went. The singer later told me, Jason, God bless his soul. Jason Lee said, dude, I looked over, you were gone. I was like, where did Jude go? Yeah, you know, I think maybe if there had been a light on me and if I had just been more chilled and in the pocket and just grooved my way through the crowd and grooved my way up there, people would have known what happened. But I was just too frenzied. But that was all inspired by Hiram Bullock who I then went to go see a few times in the next couple years. And at one of those shows, he played the song and he jammed it so well. The thing about Hiram, man, when you watched him, you could see the music in the way he moved his body. I mean, I saw him again 20 years later in the 2000s with uh, Marcus Miller at Yoshi's in Oakland. Fantastic band. And I'm not sure if I'm exaggerating, but it seemed like Hiram had put on close to 100 pounds but he was still 100% funky. Even if you didn't have ears, you could fill the music if you're watching Hiram play. So anyway, back to when I first saw him as a teenager, he played this song and it stuck in my head because he, when he played, man, he just, he was so relaxed and just hilarious and, and the music just was so alive that it stuck in my head. And I think I only had the notes like 90% correct after 30 years. And occasionally, over the past three decades, I've asked people, hey, do you remember this song? Hiram used to play that all the time. And they go, I don't know. Well, finally, I figured out what it was because Jamie Kime 
deep-ass musician that he is and true Hiram fan. I played it for him and he recognized it, as you're going to hear. So, it might not be as exciting for you, but it's pretty exciting for me that I finally figured out what this tune was that Hiram used to jam on and take to the moon and back. So, I hope you enjoy this episode. It's really deep and uh, it's great. I really thank you guys for listening to No Guitar Is Safe and continuing to support the show. Please tell a friend about it and please visit me on YouTube youtube.com slash jude gold that's me jude gold we're gonna head right over getting our helicopter slash time machine but first remember this is brought to you by guitar player magazine and guitarplayer.com guitar player play better sound better all right let's zip over the hill and zip two years back head over to jamie's living room once again jam out keep it alive to you 95 y'all I've always loved Hiram Bullock. Oh, dude. So I wanted a Hiram type of configuration. So he made me, it's like the humbucker in the neck, humbucker in the, in the bridge with a, with a single in the middle. And so, yeah, so that's what, that's what we did. These are Arcane, Rob Timmons Arcane uh, humbuckers. And then this is a, a Duncan Classic stack in the middle. Like it looks like a single coil, but it's a... Yeah, it's actually a Classic stack just for the noise. And it's a Callahan bridge, got great components on it. B. Hefner neck, MJT body. It was, you know, Eric Gorish over at Tour Supply put it together. And I was going to say, you know, I love Hiram Bullock. There's this one song. I used to see him in like when I was a teenager in the late 80s, and he would do this song. I saw a couple of his solo gigs. Mm-hmm. And I can't, I've been trying to figure out what the name of the song is for years. This is a long shot. Maybe you might recognize it. Do you ever see him play live? Yeah, like I, solo saw gigs? I saw him play a couple times. He had this one song, like maybe it's in the key of E or something. It's like a, kind of like a mix of lint. Tell me if I'm remembering this right. Something like that. He'd play the shit out of it. And then it would go like this. Well, that, well, that song that you're playing is called Straight Life. Oh, is that what that is? I've been trying and to figure out the a, name of that song forever. And it's a, it's a standard by, um, it's not the Art Pepper version of Straight I know I might have some Life. of the notes wrong because it's been like 30 years, yeah. but <laughs> I was trying to remember the name of that it's, um, song. Because Art Pepper had a version of it. God, who did it? We could do a separate episode about Hiram Bullock. I, yeah. I'm such a fan. That guy was so funky. Yeah. I learned one of his solos. It's bugging me now. Is it a... Is it a... It's Freddie Hubbard. It's a Freddie Hubbard tune. Yeah, it's a Freddie Hubbard song. Wow. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Um. came to the right shop yeah that's it yeah 
That's just kind of the whole tune, and then it just goes. Oh, that's <laughs> cool, man. Yeah, the whole tune. I, I don't know yeah. if he changed some of the notes or anything, or it's my memory, but it's yeah. just so great to hear that after all these years. I was wondering, yeah. what the heck was that tune he's of? Because you know him, whatever he played, he would just play. Yeah, to we would do that at the bake, but that was a Monday night jam staple. That song, yeah. we would do that one all the time. All those Freddie Hubbard tunes, like Mr. Clean and Povo, and oh yeah, you know, Straight Life, and yeah, but cool. How about- Right. Yep. Right on, yeah. All right. So, uh, I mean, you'll go so far as to throw like giant steps, sort of train changes at something like this. From yeah. what I understand, like, so, like, you might, you probably see this. Just, I'm going back to what we talked about. Before, yeah. As, like, we could say it's the key of C. It's D Dorian, but same as a C major yeah. scale. Yeah. So you would throw yeah. C at it, but then you'd also throw, and I'll let you take over. Yeah, if you're going to think of it like that. So if if uh, if the other key center, the other keys that you would sort of like pass through, I guess would be uh, would be E and and G sharp. E major um, and G yeah, sharp major. Yeah. So I, I will usually in order to kind of. So the way that I tend to think of it, though, is I'll tend to think off of the, off of a real strong chord tone, like the uh, like the F note. Yeah. That's how I usually get into it. So if we're in the so if we're over that D minor, I will I will think of that as a two chord a lot, you know. So I'm in Dorian world. You know, so, um, but then if I'm going to get into like, just kind of as a, as a little sort of flurry, yeah. you know, getting into that sort of augmented cycle Coltrane thing, right. I'll, I'll, I'll work off of a note off of a, this is just how I do it. I'm yeah. not saying this is like, no kids, this is oh. how you do it, but this is just yeah. how I do it. Yeah. I tend to think of like a chord, like a strong chord tone of whatever chord is happening. So in this case, it's a D minor seven chord. So I'm going to think of the third, yeah. the flat third, uh, which would be F natural. So from there, um, you know, I'll yeah. do something like that and just so kind of, like, yeah. You're looking at me like I know where you went there. <laughs> um, it's playing off of the tonic. So uh, I'm basically just transposing the whole thing. So what I did on the D minor is I actually am looking at that that F yeah. note as being yeah. the tonic note of F. Right. So I'm thinking of D. So I'm thinking of D minor as being my relative my relative minor so yeah d minor the relative major of d minor is f so i'm looking right. at my first yeah. i'm looking at that right and then uh and then up a minor third to a dominant seven is going to be is going to be g sharp dominant yeah. so if i and then from this note here i just move down a half step i'm on g sharp yeah. And that sets me up for that G sharp seven, which is like a G sharp mixolydian. And then, and then the one chord of G sharp, you know, uh, seven is going to be C sharp. Okay. Which is another kind of a sort of a, 
backdoor way of getting to that C sharp against D minor thing. And then um, and then from that from that C sharp up a minor up a minor third to another dominant seven, which is E seven, and then the one of that is A. So I'm basically just outlining those chords. I'm outlining F major. Um, over that, over the D. If you're still following me Which at this point, <laughs> it's still D minor. It's all yeah. over D minor, but I'm just superimposing F major, then uh, I mean, G, G sharp seven. F major still our D minor scale. Yes. Yeah. But yeah. then, but then I'm, but that's where that's sort of my launching off yeah. point to sort of go through that augmented yeah. cycle of chords, and and then I'd, uh, it's G sharp dominant seven. And then to C sharp. Uh, and then uh, from there, um, and then E7. Uh, um, and then I'm kind of two, and then I'm sort of transitioning back to the five chord of D, which is A7. So that's kind of my little cheating way of, of getting back to D sort yeah. of seamlessly. So uh, if you look at the. Uh, Uh, let me do that. So I'm kind of that's that's to C sharp, um, and then that's E seven. That's like with a flat nine. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, and so that's E seven to A, and then I'm kind of turning that A into like a dominant. And that takes me back to D minor. So I'm just kind of crowbarring those in, basically, is what's happening. You know? yeah. But you can do that stuff all over. You can work off of other notes. But I just tend to like working off of... The, the third, yeah. for me, is always a really strong note to work off of, be it a major third or a flat third. So if I'm going to start take, you know, taking it outside, as it were, you know, I'll tend to work off of that, that flat third. Again, don't know if that's, you know, if yeah. that's the, the, the Berkeley... North Texas oh, yeah. approved way of doing it, but that's just kind of my, you know, it's a product sound. of playing a billion gigs and you know finding ways to work around one chord jams. You I know, know. Well, <laughs> like I'll never forget. Yeah, when I first yeah. uh, first went to the baked potato, you were playing and just doing that stuff. Yeah, in my mind, it's and, fun. And, and sometimes too, yeah. you know, I mean, just playing against a a static chord or a you know a modal type of thing it's it's really nothing more than uh just a lot of chromaticism and just finding notes that sound really good you know i like i've always loved the sound of you know like sharp 11s against minor chords you know you know so it kind of gives that almost that, that half diminished yeah kind of thing um i love major sevens you know against minor seven chords uh, that leading tone is really strong to me uh, you know 11s so, you know, you could just start, you could just like grab a note that's a really nice color tone, like an 11, yeah. you know, you know, like some kind of a minor 11 flavor. But then from that 11, you can say, all right, well, this note is currently in, in the environment that I'm in right now, that note's functioning as the 11th yeah. of this minor 11 chord. What if that note starts functioning as a major third of something? What does that give me? Well, it gives me gives me this kind of like F against D, you know, so I can, then I can outline that F triad against the D minor. Um, go ahead and play it. All right. 
So that gives me like an so that so it's 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 yeah. functioning as the as the major third of an E flat triad. I said F earlier and I was mistaken, but right. so it gives you sounds, that kind of yeah. a sound. It, it could function as a fifth. And it function and if it's a fifth, it's a fifth of C. So then it kind of gives you that, which isn't as it's more of uh, an eleventh type of sound. It's a little yeah. more inside, but it's colorful. Yeah. You know, man, you're. I love playing with the way you're playing with your fingers too. You get such great tone. Oh, thank you, thank you. But you know what I mean. So, so you, you know, you could look at that note as being the 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 root that that eleventh note of yeah. uh, of D minor eleven. It could also function as the root note. So you just kind of yeah. go through and you say, all right, you know, let's start with a triadic type of approach. So yeah. this note that's a color tone of this chord. Uh, it's the 11th of this chord. What happens if it functions as, as a root of something, as a third of something, or as a fifth of something? And then you can start coming up with, you know, you come up with what those triads are, and then you superimpose those triads against that chord. And, and you know, sometimes, yeah. and that approach yeah. to me is very simple. It's just a very, you know, it's all, it's very triadic. And then, um, you know, that another step, I'll take it a, a one step further with that. Going back to that E flat triad against D. Yeah. Um, if I'm going to outline that E flat triad, yeah. You know, um, that also that also is very very closely related to a C yeah. minor pentatonic, right? It's just a short leap, like an in an E flat major triad is just a really short leap to. Um, C minor pentatonic. Yeah. So then it's like, well, okay, well, why not play C minor pentatonic against well, that D? Yeah, they're basically yeah. the same scale. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So then now you're kind of getting into Scott Henderson territory a little bit yeah, when you start getting into that. Yeah, pentatonics around. Yeah, pentatonic substitution type of stuff. Wait, 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 wait. Do that Lenny Bro thing or whatever that was one more time, brother. You know how to do that. But you're just doing it so sweetly. Oh, come on. Uh... I mean, it's one great. thing to do it here in the living room, like to incorporate <laughs> it, like, you know, in the middle of a song on a gig is another thing. I've seen you do that kind of stuff. I've seen you do that on gigs. And uh, it's just so great with the, the super clear tone, even at the super low living room volume. You always yeah. have a clear tone, whatever volume I see you at. Yeah. Did you, ever go, did you ever go and take any lessons from Ted Green? Oh, Did you man. ever get over there and do that? No. You know, that was before I moved to L.A., and he, he must have passed well over 10 years ago. Yeah, it was 2005. And uh, But I always heard the myths and the legend. Yeah. I mean, tell me about more about Ted. Well, you were talking about the guitar tone, and that was like you'd just be sitting in his, his apartment. was a, a trip, first of all. It was just a... 
you know, that's a whole other story. But um, but he would be playing through, you know, like some uh, Fender Deluxe like this one or something old. It was, they were usually old. and But he would just have a ton of reverb and he'd usually be playing a telly with super heavy strings and super low action. But he would do that. You know, he would start doing all that. You know, he'd start doing all that stuff with all these chords. But like, yeah. he'd sit and actually be playing something and making it a part of the... And I have tons of old tapes because I used to tape record all my lessons, and I went to them for the better part of ten years, you know. So, but you just and this, but the sound was just like so majestic and glorious because it was just this, it was so. And he would tune his guitar down, and it's oh, just yeah. like this, you know, it would just fill up the whole room, and you're just sitting there swimming in it. It's like, oh my god, this is the greatest thing ever. Well, and was, you're sitting in between like stacks of newspapers and magazines and. <laughs> You know, junk. He was such a, a hoarder. You well, know? I knew that he hoarded musical stuff. And, yeah. And but did he hoard other things as well? Oh yeah. Well, like what? Uh, old like um, car magazines, Sports Illustrated magazines, uh, like periodicals. You know, he was like really into the, the old like sports magazines and he was really into cars. That yeah, he was super into. You know, he was a car guy from when he was a kid. He was like really into cars. Um, one time when I I never knew that when I went over there I was I would try and always get the last slot of the day anytime I would go because that would kind of guarantee that I'd be able to just hang for <laughs> like two and a half hours or whatever and sly and I used to uh, and I used to have this old car it was a, a Buick Wildcat a 67 Wildcat it certainly wasn't pristine it was kind of beat up but yeah. um, one time afterwards he came out and walked with me to my car and then proceeded to just engage me for like a half hour about cars and tell me about, oh I used to have this kind of car I have one of these and me and my friends used to do this and so yeah he was an interesting dude man he was really really kind of multi multi-layered individual yeah and, uh, and very revered amongst so many great yeah, Southern California players such as yourself, like the legend preceded him, you know. Right. Yeah. Like, for a guy that never really, as far as I know, released any music. He had one album out. He had one uh, one album, and then I think there might have been other stuff that was recorded but never put out. But um, yeah, he put out one album. It was just called, I think, Ted Green solo guitar. And yeah, well, yeah. maybe we can fly in a little bit of that. Yeah. Yeah, the legend. I have it on vinyl. Rad. Uh, yeah. Legends from his living room, just yeah, 
<laughs> emanates so it's such a wide yeah. radius. The only thing I wish I would have done is I wish I would have gotten more, taken more pictures when I was over there because I never really took any pictures. But uh, James Santiago would go over there and just like a lot of the pictures we now see of him online of like the one yeah. of him sitting cross-legged with all the just, you know, crap. I think James took that one. That's kind of like one of the more kind of famed, you know, uh, you know, pictures yeah. of him that you see now. And I think James took that. You know, cool. He yeah. was a great dude, and uh, yeah, he was he was just a, a really, really interesting character. <laughs> and you know, I I miss him. It was, a, it was I was so bummed out. When what do you he, mean he was so interesting? Well, just that you know, I mean, because you 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 think of him as just you know, because I'd gotten to know him mainly through his books when I was younger, when I was like a teenager, and when I finally started, you know, I was well into my twenties when I started taking lessons with him. Um, you know, like late twenties, and uh, I might have even been thirty when I first started studying with him. But uh, but he, you know, as you get to know him, you know, all you just want to like talk about chord chemistry and this and that. But you start engaging him in yeah. conversation, and and um, you know, you find out that he was just into so much other stuff. He didn't really like playing live that much. That's why he didn't never he didn't really do a ton of gigs. He would do weddings. He was like, I like weddings. I, I, he goes, I love weddings. I love when people are in love and I think they're charming. And I like playing weddings because it makes people happy. And I was like, okay, you know. So I'm like, man, why don't you throw a band together and do a gig? He's like, nope. You know, it was a lot more anonymous to play the wedding than to go down and yeah. bake potato and have everyone staring at you. Yeah, and that, and that was, I think that was one of the reasons why he didn't like doing gigs because he's like the only, if I do a gig at a club, he's like, it's just full of guitar players that are just staring at me. You know, he's like, I want, you know, I want people to kind of be into the music. And, but I mean, yeah. how could you not stare? I mean, the stuff he was doing was so. Now, is it possible so, for you to show us just a little touch of, like, you know, I know that he was so into chords and chord yeah. chemistry. What, like, what did you get from that? Or, I mean, other than I'm sure you learned a lot about, you know, chord melody. And was there anything specific that you got from him that you couldn't have got from anyone else? I think quite a bit, and and I th and I think that if um, if I could go back and do it again, I would probably have worked on more tunes with him and more actual arrangements because a lot of the stuff that I worked on with him and a lot of the stuff that I would go in and start picking his brain out were more conceptual and and you know more things like um, you know like chord substitution just ideas and concepts whereas a lot of the guys that, that i know plenty of guys that studied with them that they can sit and just play all these solo guitar pieces and a lot of those are are things that they learned from arrangements that they worked on with him show some that he showed you uh well one thing he showed me was this really cool uh chord that goes like this <laughs> oh my god i can't even play it well that's difficult. Which is <laughs> such a, a great sounding voice. It's, you know, like a major, uh, like a, you know, like a major nine. Uh, folks, Jamie has all five fingers of his left hand, including his thumb, on the fretboard. So that your thumb is underneath yeah. back on the high string. Yeah, my thumb is at the, uh, on the on the seventh fret of let's, the first string. Let's hear the note that your thumb is playing. So there's your, yeah. That high B there yeah. is, is the thumb note. And then the rest of the chord is just a standard kind of... You know, I guess you'd call it a second inversion, uh, A major seven. So I have A in the bass, and then, and then I have, uh, and then I have the uh, the the uh, C sharp. Excuse me, in the uh, 
on the fourth string, 11th fret, and then the major seven, G sharp, is on the third string, and then the root A is on the second string. Um, that is no fun, but... Yeah. But you would... But you just like... See, that I'm trying thumb. to play it with my guitar flat on my lap, but you've got it pointed up at the sky like Yeah, a, I kind of propped up on my leg. That's the only way to do it. Yeah. Yeah, he was into these... Yeah. It's definitely oh, not a, a super, well, you, know, it's, you know. It's so brutal because, like, I literally would have to trim my first fingernail to play it. Yeah, and my—that's the thing. I'm my uh, my my index fingernail is a little long right now, so it's it's digging into the fingerboard a little bit. Yeah, I quit. But you know, like that kind of stuff, <laughs> he would do uh, these kind of like. Oh, that's beautiful. You know, I was really into the, this. Those really kind of super uh those really kind of close voicings that are really pretty sounding like this yeah so let's you hear know. that can you play that chord just from the high string down yeah so from the top down it's i have uh, i have on the seventh fret i have uh, the b and the f sharp and i'm barring it with my yeah. index finger and then on the uh on the third and fourth string both at the 11th fret i have the g sharp and d sharp And you know you play it over over. It works great in E on the guitar. Yeah. But then you can take those uh, the notes that are up on the um, the major seventh and the third up on the, the the fourth and third string, and you can sort of move those down. Sweet. You know you can do that kind of stuff, and uh, I think he had a name for what that for what he would call it. And then you wind up on a just like a standard, you know, E sus two chord. But then from there, you take that uh, that F sharp and B that are on the top two strings, and you move those down. Beautiful. So you wind up with the same shape, but now you're down you're down a, a few frets. Yeah. So so those two top notes just move in fourths. And yeah, know, down when to I the watch you play that, it just. It just makes us wonder, like, what if the human hand could stretch even further? The crazy shit we could play. Like, these chords are yeah. stretching the limit of the human yeah. hand. <laughs> well, then you'd have Holdsworth. Yeah, then you have Holdsworth. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you know, there you go. That's sort of the natural progression because, you know, Holdsworth, his, his hands were, were yeah. the guy was a giant. I mean. Now, a lot of people will credit that harp harmonics thing to Lenny Bro. Lenny but, Bro, Because yeah. he, you know, just like people would credit tapping to Eddie Van Halen. But, yeah. You know, or Harvey Mandel, anybody? Yeah, or Travis picking to Merle Travis, but yeah. obviously a lot of other people have yeah. done it. Maybe real quick for anyone who hasn't seen it, would you mind giving us a little demo of how you're actually doing it? Play a little bit of that again, because of the, the, the harp harmonics. Yeah, those things there. Well, yeah. So you're just barring. Yeah, that one was just, I, just, I was uh, I was just basically playing an, an E11, an E yeah. dominant 11 chord at the 7th fret, which is just a straight bar across the 5th <laughs> up to the... Straight bar uh, yeah, at but, the 7th fret. At the 7th fret uh, like, from the 5th string from the on fifth, up, yeah. Okay. yeah. And, then, um, and then it's just the alternating... So with my middle yeah. finger of the right hand, I'm sort of picking the 3rd... I'm sorry, the 4th string... And yeah. then my thumb is, is uh, I'm alternating, so fourth yeah. string, sixth string, and then third string, fifth string, and so on. So, but uh, that op that 
it's every hard time, to it's hard to describe. But every time every time but you pluck with your thumb, with my thumb, I'm doing that harmonic. That's you're holding with your first finger. With so you're my plucking index with finger. your thumb, and your yeah. index finger is holding the harmonic. Yeah, I guess like, I call that. A, is that a false harmonic? Is that what that's called? Yeah, I don't know. I call it. I just call yeah, it I call it's an octave <laughs> harmonic. But the first note is, it's um, it's not a. It's a fifth because yeah. it's the open E string, but I'm I'm getting the harmonic chime at the, uh, which would be yeah. the, uh, what is it, 15, 17, 19th fret. So it's a, I'm getting a fifth is the first cool. one. The rest of them are octave harmonics because they're 12 frets above where the bar is, where I'm fretting. Awesome. You so know. Beautiful. Hey, so yeah. when you run out of strings, so uh, I'm picking the, in, the yeah. uh, first string and then doing a, a chime on the third string and then um, so when you run out of strings to alternate then you just harmonic you get a, so a harmonic on the rest yeah. of the strings so. but you know you can do that um, but that's easy with just a straight yeah. kind of an 11 chord type of bar yeah. but if you do a, a chord shape say a minor 7 follow the shape of the chord Put a couple little hammer-ons in there. Yeah, and then you can add hammer-ons or pull-offs and do, you know, and then coming down. Uh, uh, but then you can, you know, start pulling notes up and, you know, awesome. and it just gets really kind of pretty sounding, you know. There was a remember the old uh, Steve Lukather Starlix video. He did a gave a real good demonstration of that, and he would do the you know. So you come down with the pull offs, and then you kind of go back up, and it just it sounds really. I'm just really impressed with the clarity of your sound. You know, even <laughs> like here in the living room, like every everything from your tone to like your fingernail over there is just really working. My ja my jagged currently <laughs> jagged fingernails that are making it sound really. It's percussive. <laughs> no guitar is safe.